Firstly, I'd just like to say that this series and this podcast is brought to you in association with LWC, the UK's largest independent drink supplier, fantastic portfolio, serving over 13,500 on-trade suppliers, and most importantly, seven days delivery. They've been an ally of my company, GSG Hospitality, for a number of years. Hi guys, welcome back to In The Weeds. This is season four and it's going to episode three. So like you know, we're going around the world and we are currently stopping at Copenhagen with the guys from Brand New Bar, Pulp Bar and Jonas Anderson and Spaniard Bernabal. Firstly, just, you know, let's let's acquaint the audience with you, your guys' story. So how have you got where you are? And I know obviously you've opened, it'd be great to hear about the new bar. We, we, we both moved to Copenhagen around the same time. I'm Danish, obviously Spanish. And uh, in around 2007, we both moved to the city and we started working in, in this neighborhood called Melbourne. And we didn't meet each other until a few years later, but then we you know, struck up a friendship through the industry. And eventually we started working together at different bars. And about nine years ago was the first time that we sat down together and basically went like, okay, what do you say that we open a bar? Both me and Spam like this. You're the person that I feel like we understand what we want to do, both of us. So we decide then that we're gonna start actively pursuing opening a bar. Being like new at that, we thought you know, it would be easy. We would just go find someone with a, a bucket of money and tell them like we're really good bartenders. You should just invest in us, and and we'll make you a lot of money in return and all that sort of stuff. Because how that's how you pitch the idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> just give us enough money, then we'll give you more back. And it's very simple, and we're really good at this. And look at our credentials and resumes. And that didn't really work. But we went through like iterations of doing business plans, you know, coming up with concepts, talking to investors, both domestic and abroad. And obviously, what happened is there would be some like we'd find out that that okay, this wasn't maybe the right timing. This investor maybe couldn't quite get there with us this round. And then you get back to working your jobs and you just sort of, you know, get caught up in the other part of life, you know, where, where you're, you have a career and a girlfriend or whatever. Right. And then now what happens is we face this global pandemic. And just before we were shut down, we had a meeting uh, talking about needing to revive this dream of opening a bar. Then everything gets shut down and we're obviously left stranded, you know, outside of our daily jobs, our daily routines. And that forces us to kind of really start working at this, really digging down. And when we get to, you know, the end of last year, we were so certain that this was going to happen, that we wouldn't take no for an answer anywhere. You know, every time some, something wasn't going our way, we're just like, okay, we'll just tackle that tomorrow. We'll go to sleep and we'll tackle it tomorrow. And that's how, you know, through just some stupid determination, we managed to actually get just enough money into our account to make a bid that was accepted. And then finally, like signing a contract and, and, uh, and realizing like, okay, now we actually have to build a bar <laughs> and, and open and run a bar and do a lot of things that we have never done before. But yeah, and then it's just been a wild ride since then. And that's the short version. That's the short version. So imagine a long version. Yeah. I mean, it's nine years of, uh, been nine long years, but it's, it's, I think the, the most remarkable thing is that anything could have happened within those nine years. You know, yeah. I could have moved back to London or I could have, or he could have uh, gotten married and gone back to his uh, city. Or, I mean, a lot, a lot yeah. of things could have happened, you know, but we've been very persistent and every year it's always been a new opportunity with a new investor or a new location and a new concept. And it's just, okay, let's try again. Let's try again. Let's try again. So eventually getting to where we are now, I think, you know, a lot of people have been asking us, you must have been thrilled. And, and to be honest for us, it was more of a, 
I don't know, relief, yeah. you know, it was just like, oh, finally, you know, it's just been such a long road. But yeah, I mean, so far it's been, you know, we, we're practically living in the bar now, but it's, it's been nothing but fun, fun and game, because this is what we've been wanting to do for so long. And we've done it with all the people's businesses. So, so this is just the only difference is that now it's, it's our business, you know, mm. so. Well, obviously, I haven't met Jonas before. We've met quite a few times. I think we, fe- we first met in when you were working at MASH, right? Yeah. Kind of, I think that's nearly like five or six years ago. Uh, something like that. Something mad like that. I think in that first meeting, I was there as well. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, did you work there as well? Yeah, I was. Th- we were working yeah. there together at the time. I skipped out a little bit earlier than Spaniard and went to work right. for another hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So you obviously, you, you know, you were talking about it then. And, uh, you know, like these things can can take a lot of time just just so for you know anyone who's listening where you actually are in Copenhagen it's quite you know it's a very popular area isn't it yeah it's we're in the Nobel borough but very close to the part of that borough that, that borders the city center it's one of the two kind of central squares in this neighborhood and so it's it's filled with like cool little coffee shops design you know outlet stores food like uh, super nice restaurant super nice takeaway and it's just a it's a very vibrant little community and it's Nobu is basically the most populous neighborhood in Copenhagen it's also the youngest and that's kind of the vibe we're going for with the bar it's kind of like appealing to that kind of yeah young diverse crowd you know it's also where we started this is yeah. this is where we began when we moved to Copenhagen so it's 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 kind of funny to to go back to to where we initially uh, started our careers in in the city and it's the total opposite of what we've done for the last four years, you know, where we've been at luxury hotels and doing hotel bars. This is the opposite. This is your local just hangout that we want to do. It's a, it's a different kind of service and it's probably more us. So it does feel like we're just coming home to something we're always meant to be doing. And, and that's, yeah, like you say, that's very much the vibe around there. How, how has it been received? How long have you been open now? Since the 1st of July. So... So yeah, we're fairly new. I mean, it's it's a bit difficult now, to, and also because we had the the football, it's a bit difficult to say you know the kind of clientele that we have. Because luckily, we have a you know we have a good relationship with 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 the industry people. So we've had I think ninety percent of of our customers have been uh, it's been our friends, you know, which is good because it's a good way to to also get the word out there, you know, and uh, starting to get people that are not just uh, from the industry, but just people that have heard about you know what we do because we haven't done. I mean, I, I do, you know, most of my marketing or, or, or you know, the way that I, that I like to advertise the bar has been mostly towards the, the industry people, you know. But very slowly now we're beginning to get more regulars that are not part of the industry and also, you know, people from the area, which is, which is exactly what we're aiming for. Mm-hmm. And so be interesting in, I would say now, I mean, Copenhagen as a city is probably... I, I think it's probably one of the first on people's list, you know, when, you, when they're talking about like a culinary or a drinks destination to go to, I'd say it's pretty, pretty high up now, if not at near the top of everyone's, especially in, in, in Europe, when you're talking about it, obviously you've got, you guys have lived, you've seen that change, I'd imagine through that period of a decade or whatever, how, how much has the, the change been? Has it been dramatic? Yes, it is. It is quite dramatic. I would say the new Nordic cuisine coming in and taking, you know, the, the gastronomical world by storm, obviously raising the level not just of a lot of the chefs that would come in, but also the, the level of the sommeliers or the waiters. You started having a much larger group of people who felt like it was okay to say, again, I'm a waiter by trade or I'm a bartender by trade. And I think that's the, the most dramatic shift. And you start having a 
a international and local clientele that actually knows enough about drinks and food and beverage to actually appreciate quality and appreciate the your efforts at, at, at trying to, you know, raise the bar with regards to 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 both drinks and, and service and, and general hospitality. And I think that has changed a lot from when we both came here and there was one good cocktail bar, maybe two good cocktail bars in the city. And now we have a whole community, a whole slew of bars. And yeah, it's it's we're at a stage now where at least for cocktails, we're probably hitting like again a limit of where we can go without actually getting more qualified staff in like we're all looking for staff at the moment that has been the story since the latest reopening in the economy is that we're just trying to find someone to come in and help you know run drinks and can keep a high professional standard and there's not that many out there at the moment that we lost a lot due to the, 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 uh, the lockdowns yeah yeah it's even even bigger problem here you know we got the added thing of brexit and um, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, the, the, there's an, a staffing crisis in the uk for hospitality it's in a, it's in yeah. But I'd imagine it globally is is in not a not a not a good way, and you know so obviously like yeah like you say obviously change a lot you know the two so let's talk cocktails a minute have you those two original bars are they still there? One of them is the other the other closed down a couple of years ago. It went through like some changing ownership. The whole the, the place that Spaniard used to work was called Oakroom. And through some iterations, it changed hands between the owner and bringing in some other people and then kind of reviving it and slowly getting kind of pushed out by one of the people that had bought in, one of the, the groups that had bought into the bar. And now it's it's a very, very different concept and it doesn't resemble at all what it used to be. You can still see the place still there. The layout is still the same, but it's not a cocktail bar anymore in, this, in, in that way. Uh, the other place is this really, like where I started is, is still there and still doing basically the same concept of like very long, happy hours, super, super fast, like high, you know, volume bar, but very, very small and very compact. And it's still a fun place to go for for kind of experiencing a cocktail bar that so is definitely aimed at like like the eighteen to twenty year old crowd where you can get. It's just a dive bar, right? It's a really yeah fun, loud, fast, tons of mojitos, tons of nice tea, those type of drinks, and just slinging them out. But yeah, that's still here, and and it's not like the neighborhood has changed. It's changed a lot here, but not even that much. Uh, the venue we took over was a cafe before. And it used to be where a Spaniard would go for his meetings when when they would have to have a, a Monday meeting at the bar. And uh, it was here for 16 years. And before that, it was, it was another you know bar. So there's some good places here that have been around for a long time. And there's some longevity to some of the places as well. There is a bit of a, a, sh- a shift, uh, even in this, is this neighborhood where the older kind of divier places are maybe ge- being kind of renewed into some something more modern, something more cosmopolitan in a way, less, less brown bodega, more hip wine bar, natural wine bar. And this is slowly happening and this is something that we see here. But we do feel like it's it's not changed that much since we came here in 2007. No. And where would you where would you guys currently, you know, where, where do you think of the leading bars at the moment in the city? The thing is that we just we just reopened our doors, right? And and you know, as we as we mentioned before that not just here, but everywhere, people are really struggling to get staff. This is the number one conversation that people are having, which is, mm-hmm. you know, what you know. We just don't know where the where, where all the bartenders went, and and you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what what bar, you know what's on your back bar. It's 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 always going to be the staff. So you know, as beautiful as or well well 
located your bar is if if you have no staff then there's uh, it's just nothing right so i think i think it's a bit difficult to answer that question at the moment because you know of course we would like to give you a, a few names but at the moment it's just a, a bunch of managers and owners asking for staff i mean right now we're doing everything ourselves and i mean we just opened the business right but but at the moment we're just asking for help for friends that are in the industry you know until we settled and then i mean maybe we're looking at maybe next month or, or, or the month after till, till we have an actual team but at the moment is i mean we haven't really been looking either because yeah, it's, it's just a little bit too early but everyone's struggling to get staff i mean everyone but i guess if, if you're also asking about like trends like what are we seeing as the trends within cocktails copenhagen has always been a bit hesitant to jump on like trends so while we talk as much about sustainability as i guess every other city with a with a cocktail scene does at the moment it's not like something that is pushed out a lot in front of the guests it's something that's like an internal just debate discussion there's always been i think most bars here have a, a very traditional way of making drinks you know it is it's, it's old school techniques drier balance uh, not super sour not super sweet it's kind of like a bit drier and yeah like at the moment it's we're seeing a lot of people always experimenting with everything that has to do with increasing service meaning getting faster drinks to the guests faster, have more time to actually engage with, with your guests. And obviously all of that is, is how to safely pre-batch, how to safely, you know, do tap cocktails, do something interesting with, with those kind of concepts. Now that helped a lot because everybody was shutting down. So you were seeing bottle cocktails hitting, you know, the streets like never before. And it was a lot of that is, is the bartenders and, and bar managers that are coming up with something else and some other way of reaching their guests. And I think for us, we in particular have said when we with this bar is that we would kind of like it if the last thing people mentioned was the cocktails. They were like, we was like, someone says like, Paul, that's great vibes, good music. Bartenders are super sweet. Oh yeah, the cocktails are great as well. Like that's how we would like it to just fill in, you know. Yeah, it, it is something that we've been talking about for for many years, you know, because it's it's always about you know when you when you go out, you want to you're looking for an atmosphere, you're you're looking for a good time, right? Yeah. And and even the conversations among bartenders has changed because if I think about twelve years ago, it was always about if you asked bartenders had a conversation about hey, how was your weekend? It's like oh, and it was great. It was it was just jam packed and people were dancing and then this happened and that happened and then that conversation changed drastically to oh yeah we made a hundred thousand or we made a hundred fifty thousand so it gives a shit man for 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 me that that means nothing I mean I think it's good that the business is doing great but if the conversation is more about how busy you were and how much money you made that doesn't interest me and it shouldn't interest us as a community you know so so I think that's why we wanted to focus more on creating a good a good vibe you know and and that people talked about that rather than anything else. And then, as Jonas mentioned, that if the last thing that you talk about is the drinks, then it doesn't that appeal to you a lot more than, because so many things happen before you get a drink, you know, mm -hmm. from the entrance the, to, you know, the, the decor, the lights, the staff, everything is relevant, you know? If the first thing you mention is the drink, then, then what, what about the rest, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think we don't look at it as a place that you say, we decide we're going to go for cocktails tonight, therefore we go to Paul. It's more like we decide we want to meet friends tonight, therefore we go to Paul, where they have good beer, good wine, and good cocktails. It's yeah. more like, it's not, we're not the destination for you to come and sit down and study the menu real carefully and make your, we're very like direct with the drinks list, with the wine list. It should be easy for you to get something you like, something you want. You should not be 
too concerned about that. You should just be concerned with lowering your shoulders, escaping from the daily routines, and just enjoying time with friends. You know, your head out. Let your head out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super simple, but it also means that instead of having a ton of images of drinks or our social media profile is just filled with like small anecdotes or this is a story from yesterday or this is this is the new glassware or this is how yeah. crowded it was on Friday. It's not going to be a ton of little vignettes of, of a martini or... We actually want to avoid that. We don't want to be posting pictures of the drinks because people are going to take pictures of their drinks anyway. You yeah. know? So why not, why not talk about what actually happens in the bar or things that or things that we're planning on doing or you know just everything except the drinks uh, which is funny because you know it is what we care about. we care a lot about it it's 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 still the, the one of the number one thing where we can i mean every day we're making stuff for each other every day we're challenging each other to to improve a drink or to to move somewhere new or into some new territory but that's just for us you know it's for us and maybe some interested people that come by and say what are you working on now we just feel like for most people, that's not what you should come here for. We put that in front of you. You should just taste it and go like, that's amazing. I like that. And then keep talking to your... To your uh, and it's a massive achievement, you know, yeah. when, you, when you hear people say, you know, who, who chose the music? And we're like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because this is, this is what's important to us, you know. If, if you can tell me a story about how funny the bartender was, that for me is a place that I want to check out, you know, mm. a lot more than anything else, you know. But if you get the best cocktail in the world, but there's nothing else to talk about, then I don't know if I want to have that experience, you know, because it's, it's just, there's just so much more. So we just want to go back to a place where you can go and, and tell us your, how shit your week was, <laughs> or, you know, and, and, and then just focus on other things rather than just, I'm just about to give you the most exciting drink in the world. That should be the last thing after you tell me, you know, all your, all your sorrows or whatever it is that you want yeah. to share. Yeah, yeah, I know. I agree. The vibe, the vibe, first and foremost, is the most important. I think probably the same there is like the attitude in 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 the UK, and like this is something when we open like our venues as well is that you used to be able to like when you're talking about drinks, it used to be you know you have to go to a certain place where and act a certain way to have a certain type of drink, and it's like well that you know I'm sure your drinks are, are as good as any of these hotel bars you're talking about, but I know where I want to go. You know what I mean? It's it's about you guys first, isn't it? And the vibe. And if the drinks come along with it, they'll, they'll speak for themselves anyway. Because you can't just live off the product because it's not, that's not the whole picture, is it? So. I mean, it's, it's, it's always, it's also good to get involved. You know, I mean, I remember when you, when we met, I mean, I, we didn't know each other and I ended up taking you to Zev's side and introduced you so, to some uh, rare nephew, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but this is, this is what we do as well. You know, it's, we are bartenders 24-7, you know, we're constantly engaging with, with, you know, with the people that we talk to. Anyway, I think, that, I think that's, uh, that, that goes a long way rather than just, I come to work, I make my drinks, I clean the bar and I go home. You know, that's, that's yeah. not what we do. Uh, that's exactly. And just back a little bit on the staff situation. Why do you think, just it'd be interesting to hear, what, why do you think that's happened? What, what's happened in the culture for that? Well, I think here it's just a matter of like uh, how, how do people end up going to hospitality? Like who is it that, that, that shops for a job in hospitality? And it's normally people that are coming out of high school and, and starting their life, maybe moving to the city and need something part-time. That whole group of, let's say, young, aspiring bartenders, waiters, stuff like that. As the crisis was hitting, uh, they were all let go because they were the part-timers. The, the way that the government set it up was that, that if you were on a full-time contract, they would cover X percent of your salary as long as the company just kept 
the full-timers on. They couldn't basically fire half of them because then they wouldn't get that compensation. So they were, they were kind of required to keep the full-timers on and part-timers were like, sorry, but you guys are just going to have to find something else to do. So one hand, we just kind of lost that, that kind of big segment of people that could at any point in time decide, I really love this job. And I, I would, instead of finishing my bachelor degrees or after I finish, I'm going to just keep moving into hospitality. And the, the prices went on for long enough that they all just then started finding jobs everywhere else. So they're not available anymore. Then a lot of people even looked at like one-to-one, the kind of spurting growth of a testing industry, where we had so many test centers everywhere and they were all offering extremely well-paid positions to the exact same segment that we're normally kind of interested in. And if you're already taking, you know, a 20 pound an hour job for the next we come along and say, here's a 12 pound an hour job that involves you working a lot harder and at more hours. Yeah. So those kind of things, they just, and then I think a lot of people just lost faith in the, in the whole industry, even people who've been in the industry for longer, if they were in a part-time position and let go, they were basically like, well, if that's the way I'm going to be treated after, you know, the amount of energy I put into it, I'd rather go and find a, a different career path. So I think it was just hospitality was hit so hard. Yeah. And a lot of the people that are paying most of that price were the kind of people working in the place that kind of feeds us our talent recruiting pool. And yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's as simple as that. I do think it will rebound. I think it's just for us, it just needs to grab them again. Yeah. From the few, from the few conversations that we've had, that I've had at least is, it seems like a lot of people have gone back to studying. And I think also during lockdowns, people have had a lot of time to think. And then when you have too much time on your hands, you start to take take different routes, you know? I think it's affected. I don't think it's just I don't think it's just our industry industry. I think it's I think it's all around. I think a lot of people are just taking different routes. Yeah, I think so. One of the big problems here, I don't know, it's a lot of yeah, people have had time to think, but a lot of people have have joined like or doing delivery work right for amazon and things like that i'm working in the day it's this big problem with chefs chefs is a big big issue and in the uk is a massive shortage and many say look i'm 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 happy doing this i can work in the day i see my family some have gone yeah but then it gives me time to study but what do you what do you what do you think the the solution is or is the one what do you think i i guess i think like for me at least it needs to be just offering better terms I mean, it's 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 the market saying you guys need to staff, right? And for long, you've you've been okay with offering someone terrible pay and bad, you know, working conditions. And you need if if you can't get staff, you need to improve conditions for people that work. And the way we can do that here, like personally, what we're going to try and offer is just to say we will be giving you one hell of an education if you jump on with us. Like we will teach you everything we know and we will take time out. And that's something we've done everywhere we've ever worked is to try to bring someone into it. And as soon as they have that confidence and a bit of skill, that's when we can start to say, okay, you're going to go up the ranks, you know, up the salary level and everything is going to follow that. So we can say that's because we have a time capital to invest in you as staff. Versus if you go to a hotel, they might not have the time capital, but they can, they should then just be able to invest better working conditions, you know, pension, like stuff that should be part of hospitality. If we're, if we are moving to a world where you actually can be proud and say, I'm a waiter by trade and I'm damn good at it. I'm a chef by trade. I'm damn good at it. I get it. I, I work obviously nighttime as a requirement, but I also respect the 11 hour rule. I get my off time when I need it. I'm not burned out on, on, having to, you know, just 
drink through the night because that's the only way I can calm down after after a long weekend. You know, sustainability to me is so important, but that's the kind of sustainability I think we need even more focus on, like making an industry globally around us here in in our countries where you are expected to come in and work hard, but you you're compensated decently and you're treated fairly with regards to your working hours. I do think there's always been a hospitality thing about like, we, we are, we're the tough people. We just toughen it out. Like long shifts, 16 hour shift, tough, you know, like, but we do see sometimes as soon as that veneer kind of cracks, you get people who call in sick with stress, calling like, if we want people to stick around for more than a couple of years, we need to be able to say, Hey, it's okay. Like you can say no to a 16 hour shift. There is someone calls in sick. You don't have to drop everything and come in. There is, we need a sustainable work environment that that's, thinks long-term, you know? That's at least what I think. Just so people are clear, right, who probably don't know, how does the wage structure work in, in Denmark? So I know that it's like, it's like a 50%, it's, you know, you give 50%, don't you? And usually it's that that pays for your education and your medical yeah. and stuff like that. Is that right? Yeah, the, the, the taxation is... is, is Pretty close to, let's say, a 50-50, you keep half of what, what you earn. There's some standard deductions and stuff like that. So especially if you're in low-wage earning jobs, you're probably more down at like 43 44%. It's only when you get to the higher brackets, you get to the actual, this is, they're taking half your. But yeah, in generally, just the compensation levels are high. So you still have enough in most jobs to, to make a living from, to pay rent and you know, it's not like it's it's outrageously expensive to live. It's definitely an expensive city, uh, Copenhagen. But you can you can live in the city working as a waiter in a restaurant. Like it's not you don't have to go. It's not a struggle. That's for no. sure. Right. You can do that. You can have money to go to bars, and you can you know have everything left. And you don't have to worry about what happens if you are sick. If you need to take time off work, normally that's that's covered in your contract. Um, if, if you are out of a job, it's normally a pretty decent compensation package that is afforded you while you try to, to find a new job. So yeah, the, as Fenyard says, because he has the outside view on it as well, and I'm, I obviously grew up here, but he says it's, it's always been a comfortable life in Copenhagen. There's, there's maybe too much comfort in the sense that that could also be why we can have people who don't want to become a waiter because they would rather say, no, I'm fine to just wait and see what other jobs you know, might show up. I mean, in comparison to London is, you know, the difference between working to live and living to work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's true. How much, how much now, say, so people have a comparison, how much, what's the average price of a cocktail? I know it's going to vary, but what are people happy to pay? So what's the average? Like 120, right? Yeah, 120, 130 uh, kronos. And, and we came from places, I mean, so 14 pounds. So yeah. 14 pounds. Okay. Yeah. 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 We came from places, both of us now, where we were at the highest end of it, and it's mm-hmm. it's not that much more expensive. We're not at the twenty pound mark yet, like uh, for 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 even hotel bars. And then you come, and I think we're we're gonna land on like a bit on the cheaper side, which to us is just that challenge that we're facing. That we're we're gonna be doing everything we can to just make drinks that are exactly as sexy, just by using little tips and tricks that we've picked up to cut costs. And, you know, cut a corner that. We don't think any anybody would ever notice, and it just allows us to get drinks that we think are on par with, with what we were doing last year, and just uh, just doing it a bit easier. Yeah. I think is, is the is the right word. And I think for, for our neighborhood here, yeah, like around 110, 130, that's 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 the range between you know a cheap drink on the menu and a and a more expensive option. 
But I think like say here is like, I don't know, it differs. Like you said, London is different to probably the rest of the UK, but from what's happening, and this is why leading on to you actually, how you're finding it being your own bosses now is that something's going to give soon here where there's so much weight from one side that the prices are going to have to go up, but people already are, are not happy paying what they are to mm. go up, which has caused like a saturation issue here where like people then are chopping and underchanging things. But then you're obviously like, well, you know, you know your product is, it shouldn't be getting, you shouldn't be doing it for discounted prices. Do you know what I mean? So there's a problem in society through that in the UK, I think. How do you, th- do you think that's going to be a problem where you are and, and how have you found being now your own bosses compared to working for somebody else? What's been your biggest challenge? There's a debate going on in the city between like, uh, why do you have to charge in excess of 14 pounds for a drink? Like why? Yeah. Why? And when you're at a hotel, it's, it's very simple. Some guy gives you a margin number and says, this is where you have to be. This is what we've decided and you need to make drinks and sell products and whatever to fit this bill, like this margin. And that's why, that's why the prices are that high. Like it's, it's not, at the end of the year, it's not because of the salary of any individual employee or anything else that affects that. It's just business school. We found a number, you go by that number. Now for us, I think that if it is understood in society that what you're actually paying for is not, you don't try and do the math and say, well, this is Tangeray and I can buy a Tangeray for the same price as this cocktail, like a whole bottle. Like, why am I paying that crazy amount? And you actually get the sensation into it. You're just paying me. Like, you're just paying for my work, for, for what I do. And uh, when people have that understanding, it doesn't seem to bother them that much. But yeah, I also think, I mean, I think that it should be doable not to have 25 pound cocktails to make a you know bartender earn a decent wage. You know, it should be doable to, to structure uh, the business like that. And obviously now as owners, we know like we already knew about the overhead of running a business and, that's the thing now where you're like, with all the hard work we do to make a couple of pennies and to maybe make enough to, to, to invest into this business. And then you just see, you know, like the rent that you're paying, for instance, to your landlord and, and how big a chunk of, of, of cash that is, all the other stuff that's, that's profiting from, you know, the industry, like the next levels out. And then some, that's, that's also sometimes where I feel like, yeah, maybe we should be organize better, bargaining better for, for better prices and better... Because I if, I mean, at least I know I feel like the, the big players here, they make tons of money. Like the, as soon as the, you, you reach a certain size, they're just squeezing their the, the, the business partners and, and they can do that. And then they squeeze everywhere. And then, yeah, they stand up with making, you know, millions, millions and millions. So it's, it's really only like a problem for these like small independent cocktail bars. Like we are restaurants where, where you're trying to work on a smaller scale. And yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that here the level hasn't reached that critical point yet with the pricing. And at the same time, we are actively debating how to not just let it go off the rails. You know, Here we don't keep any, anything that we can't use in a cocktail on the backboard. There's zero products on the backboard that we can't take out and make an old fashioned with, or make a daiquiri, or make a, a whiskey sour, you know? And that's just part of the concept here as well. Like, we don't believe in bottles that are just standing around, just collecting dust for years and years. That's for somewhere else. Cool. All right. Cool. Just a one last one on the, on, on the kind of changes of thingy. What, like, a big thing here is QR codes now. So people are yeah. considering that, even like some people I'm hearing, like, oh, I don't know if people are going to sit at the bar anymore, or, you know, that dynamic of, 
thing, you know, people are going to sit and just QR code and not speak to anyone. Is that something that's come apparent in, in your industry there as well? Or cause it is existing in some places, but I, I mean, we, we, we don't, we just have physical. And before that at the hotel, we, I, it was something that I mentioned, but they didn't want to have that. They, they didn't want to have any QR, even though, you know, everybody has a smartphone, so it's not, it's not such a bad idea, but, the thing is that we had to print menus every day. So imagine the amount of waste, you know, that, that goes into that just because, you know, we wanted to have a physical menu. But uh, yeah, I mean, so not, not every place does it, but we don't do it. We have physical menus here, but we also do a printing ourselves and we know. I think, I think importantly, there's, there's voices in the opposition in particular who started saying now we, we, we can't allow you know, some of these restrictions just to become normalized and not review, like, review that, like, they have to disappear eventually, right? We can't just say, we've lived with the, the fact that you have to use hand, like, uh, like, split on your hands if you're a guest, you know, whenever you, it's something that is probably still reasonable for, but it can't be a rule that's just left there as a legacy after this stuff. And, and all of these rules that have been passed, we kind of have to review them all and remember to, to, engage the public back and saying, we are actually living in a safe place. Yes, you will be exposed to viruses and the flu every once in a while, but you can hug a stranger if you, if you, if, if you meet a stranger that, that, you know, and you're having a good time and, and you know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a whatever goal at a football match. And like, it's, it's going to be okay again. We need to just get back to that. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I hope that we are not just, already seen just this depersonalized space in hospitality where you were oh I, I can't like just leave me over here and i'll order through my phone and you just bring me the drinks and then behind the mask and it's all unpersonal and and yeah it's always i always find that hilarious as well whenever you see people who are really excited about the fact that they've made a drinks making machine mm-hmm. and they were like yeah yeah that, that's great like like it's but it's where where would this go i mean the bartender is not the drinks making machine. He's the bartender. He's the he's the guy. As you said, like, well, yeah. tell me something. Did you have a good day? A bad day? He's not going to take you off the drinks. That's yeah. for sure. It's, it's not. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's not about the three or four ingredients in the drink. It's about helping you choose the drink as well. Yeah. You say, "Oh, I'm in the mood for this, but I don't know what I want." Oh, but that's where I can help you. Yeah. It's 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 up here. It's not the you know. So I don't know. And that's what hospitality is, right? We need to be there. Yeah, man, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of what's going on, isn't it? That's the mad thing about yeah. it. It's just so opposite. So it leads me on. Do do you guys? I mean, I ask every guest this. So do you get in the weeds? Is it does it mean the same there? You know what it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So have you got any? Goes to either of you. So one each. In in have you got an in the weeds moment like that sticks out in your mind and hospitality? This could be a funny one, or it could be something very philosophical. Or something, you know, that is obviously, you know, the pandemic is in the weeds and you've kind of come out of it with a bar, which is probably, you know, one of them. But yeah, any personal ones? You know, I'm recalling like one of the times in recent memory where I remember being in the weeds and it stood out as like an incredibly positive experience. We were we were just me and me and a, and a friend of mine, like a, we and a colleague uh, at, at the hotel where we were working at a a quiet Tuesday night. It was in the summer period, like now, where where not a lot was going on, and and all of a sudden there's a there's a festival, a music festival, it's a heavy metal basically, like music festival, Coburn Hill, and he was a big heavy metal fan. I hardly know any 
any heavy metal bands. But all of a sudden, a tour bus just rolls up to the hotel and out comes this massive group. Like they're like 12 members of this heavy metal band. I'm, I don't know if there's a hotel thing where you don't tell about who's there. Yeah, so I'm yeah. just going to, I just won't tell you the name, but it was, it's a big band and it's a, it's a, it's a big like profile group. Okay. So they come in, the roadies come in and we're getting close to closing, right? And now we're just faced with this huge group. We already have like, almost like a couple of other groups that as they see this kind of get excited as well. and like, Oh my God, what's happening? You know? And then you think, okay, so what are these heavy metal guys going to order? Well, it was uh, Pisco Sours. It was Mojitos. It was, you know, like it's not a beer and a shot of, of, of bourbon crowd. They just wanted clover clubs and whatever, like shaking drinks, shaking drinks, shaking drinks. And we're just cracking on. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, what do you have? Like food. And we are like, sorry, the kitchen closed. And I'm like, well, what can we do? And I just have to run out, get some, Poor smug that was that was thinking he was gonna come in and do a night shift and reception and just said like we need pizzas right now. Send him up to like a pizza joint, come back with pizzas. And then we start sharing out all the pizzas, right? And all the other guests are having pizzas as well. And these guys are just turning around and like, anyways, we just smash everything out. Obviously, it takes a couple hours longer than we were expecting to close that night. Make make, you know, like these guys super happy, super drunk, super tired, and then at the very end of the night, obviously, they, just before they, they like the last people like turn in the the, the, the guy who's the drummer, who's like a, one of the major stars events, comes up and says like, uh, "And you guys are fucking cool. Do you you want to go go see the show tomorrow?" And and then you go like, "Yeah." And obviously, like that's it. The name was in the door. All the big, that, all that, all that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was fun. Like, but from for my my friend, like his his eyes just dropped when he realized we were gonna be like that. The invites for them, you know, <laughs> it's it was the most maddeningly like crazy. Just a couple of hours between pizza starting flying around inside of a hotel bar and everybody's, you know, tattooed, you know, like in the heavy metal gear. It was just bizarre. And then it just imprints your memory, you know? So that one was, that was hilarious. Uh, The best kind of feeling of, well, this is just mental. We're just not going to get through this, but we will. And then at the end, yeah. yeah. I just thought of something that, yeah, so it's a bit of a, a bit of a, I don't know how to put this into words, but okay, I'll start. So... (laughs) Back in the hotel, we have we have we have a rooftop, right? With with um, we have a swim pool and we have a bar and everything, and yeah. and we had an event with with one of the most famous clubs in, in Copenhagen, and it was it was all the it was just a huge party for for the staff and and, and for friends from you know from from that same group. So we're looking at something like 150 people. So no, no way. Let's just say 100 people. And and then we had another party that was it was it was after party of, of a wedding. Now something that's very important to mention is that the bride from that from from the after party did not get along with the people that were having the party at the rooftop. Mm-hmm. So so the the one of the girls that worked in bookings she you know she told me the whole story and and they were having the party at the same time. Right. Right. So she said, "Whatever happens tonight, they cannot know that they are both in the same building." So I said, "Well, that's fine because you know I have the guys, you know, in the rooftop. You have the guys downstairs in the, the brasserie, so it's it's all good." And she just it's like, "I can't, I cannot stress this enough. I mean, they cannot know that they are in the same building." It's like, "Okay, that's cool. That's cool. That's fine." So then, at one point, I thought, "I know how it is in the rooftop, and I know that after let's say seven or eight o'clock, it starts to get a little bit cold, and then people are going to start saying, "Hey, is it okay? We can move downstairs." And I was like, "I really hope that doesn't happen." So I spoke to one of the one of the organizers, and I said, "Are you bringing enough enough coats? Because they were they, they had these like fluffy coats that they were going to give out." It's like, "Yeah, yeah, we got plenty." And then and then when I saw them bring them, I think it was like maybe twenty. It's like, "Mate, you have a hundred people here. Like, that's, that's not going to be enough." 
ah, oh, we'll be fine. Like, well, look, I can see already that, you know, these girls are, are wearing almost nothing, right? So they're going to get cold. And, and I, could, I could just see that it was going to be, sorry, mate, is it okay? We can go downstairs. So just in case, I just set up downstairs, a completely different room. And, and then, of course, you know, by uh, 8.30 or so, the guy says, so listen, mate, I'm really sorry, but can we please say I fucking knew it, you know? Anyway, <laughs> so now when I have to direct 150 people, uh, 100 people down the stairs, it's very important that they follow my instruction. And because there were so many people, I said, just keep going straight, keep going straight, and then you'll get to the room. And at one point, I just see the line just kind of go like this. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, because if the guys that were taking the right, I don't know why, there, there's only one way, so you, you, you will only end up in one room, and that is the one place that they cannot meet, which is where the other, the other party is. And then all of a sudden, I just see the, the, the girl from Bookings just running towards me, and like, Spaniard, what the fuck? I'm on it! I'm sorry! <laughs> so I just had to run all the way downstairs to the, to the reception and then just try to get everyone to, not, to make sure that they don't get to the other room. Luckily, they never got to meet, but, but they, they found out that the, that the group was there. So it was a bit whatever. But anyway, managed to get them all upstairs, locked the doors, end of it, you know. But it was a bit of a close one, you know. As long as they didn't meet, I mean, they knew that they were in the same building, but they didn't meet. So that's shimmering. They must have hated each other. Uh, weird, weird socialite circles of Copenhagen. Yeah. It's too inbred. Yeah, it's too much. Like, uh, they all know each other and they, uh, they have strong opinions on each other. And uh, Yeah, okay. <laughs> because that's another, I mean, the city is, you have to remember about the city, it's fantastically small and, and you have a very, uh, we have like a, a very relaxed kind of attitude towards famous people. We, are, like, we really do feel as a culture, like, just leave them. They can just go out, you know, relax. And it is typical, like at, at the at the you know the bar that the, that I was working at. We would have the crown prince just jump in. Like he would just come in, and it's and, and like the informal way you just greet him was like, "Hi, well." Yeah. And he's he's the coming king, right? We don't even call him by his real name. We just call him by whatever we think his nickname should be, you know. And he just goes in like, "Hi," <laughs> sits down, you know. And then a small security detail follows and sits on another table. You know, they still have that, but yeah. there's no like uh, hey, call ahead or or do something. Thing. It's just that's that's the guy, that's the king of the country coming. Like just sits down at the bar and just goes like, mm. and we just colloquially go like, well, hi, well, hey guys. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. I don't know. You you would get the same the same in, in London. Like the queen just pops down at the at the local for a, a quick drink. No, probably not. I mean, <laughs> no, probably not. I think not at all. No, I mean it's a bit different. Than, the north is a bit different. The north is probably a bit more. Yeah. Last time I was in Copenhagen, the guys from I think it was the drummer is it from Metallica was there when I was just chilling. Us. Yeah, yeah. I was just a very, yeah. I have a lot of stories with Lars as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, the kind of. And there's one with like uh, Lars came to see you two play. There was like a whole like it was. <laughs> Eventually, I walk up to a table just to say hi to him. And this is at another bar from where I work. And of course, the security guys run over and go like, hey, what, what are you doing? And then he just turns and was like, hey, mate. I'm like, hey, I just wanted to say hi. How was your how was your night last night after you left after the bar? It's like, oh, it's great. And that's when I look up and I look around. And it's like, you know, Liam and Noel Gallagher is at the same table, right? <laughs> Apparently, like a couple of the, like, you know, the edges there, Bono has left, but it's like, it's a weird ass table just to walk up to, you know, with the, how are you guys sitting together? I'm pretty sure everybody talks about you guys not liking each other, you know, but yeah, weird. Like it's, it's, it's Oasis, you two and uh, Metallica at a table. So Man, that's cool. Yeah. Last drinks, last drinks, Pisco Sours as well. 
yeah. it's super Metallica. Yeah, so Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> and and one of the you know what Copenhagen is often on the number one place to live in the in in the world. You, I mean, you both live there. You must obviously like it, but do you agree with that? I mean, I can only compare it with with two cities, which is London and and uh, Copenhagen. So, well, I mean, uh, I guess Spain, but I wasn't paying. I wasn't paying taxes and I wasn't working. So, um, yeah, compared to London, then I mean, for me, every t- I mean, I I went back to London maybe a year ago and it's changed incredibly, man. I mean, it's it's cleaned up, you know. But that that can only mean that that things have also, you know, the prices have risen up, you know. Yeah. Which means, I mean, a friend of mine said to me, "If you want to have a comfortable life in London, you need to make at least a hundred thousand." Like hundred thousand pounds. That's a lot of money, man. It's crazy. So, so, so yeah. I mean, and also one of my friends that lives in Hackney. You know, Hackney has changed in like in the last fifteen years. It's 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 like a completely different area, you know. And and the real estate has gone up incredibly, man. Like like the 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 house that she well, it was her mom's house, but she paid her mom paid about four hundred thousand, and now these houses are like three million. It's crazy. It's like who, who the fuck has three million? You know. So yeah, I mean, I don't know what's happening, but here, here, I mean, I think here it's a lot. It's not that. Bad. It's, it's, I, I, I honestly love it. I haven't gotten anything to compare it to, so that's, I mean, except for Aarhus, which is obviously yeah. a similar city. It just doesn't have as much going on. I but find that's, it to that's be a popular city, right? The that's second most popular city in Denmark, there. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I grew up. But it's still a, it's a village compared to to big cities in Europe. You know, it's like it's a small place that has a. Yeah, big university town, isn't it? Big university town, a lot of, lot, of, lot of youth, a lot of interesting stuff going on for sure. You know, definitely a fun place if you want to go for your college years, but you can really get a community around the, the like the Copenhagen campus is spread out all over the city. Always campus is like a campus that you're there with everybody else. The opportunities might not be as as big in Aarhus to work in, in a lot of different fields as they are in Copenhagen, but there's still a lot going on. I would highly recommend definitely visiting uh, and, mm. and check it out. But yeah, like to me, Copenhagen has this size and it's, it's not just, you know, the social safety net, but the, those kind of things that people tend to highlight a lot, you know, it's that, that I get on a bike in the summer and it takes me five minutes to be here at work and five minutes to be back home after work. Uh, if I want to go across town, it takes me maybe 40 minutes at the max to get all the way across to the opposite end of town on a bike. And that freedom to be able to just move around like effortlessly is, is, is something that I really enjoy. So especially in the summer, it, it does have a feeling of like, well, w- what are we worried about? Like we just like, okay, should we meet up? Yeah, where? Okay, well, we go here. All right, great. See you in 20 minutes, you know? Then you sit there, you have some some drinks, some food, and we're like, should we go somewhere else? We should check out our friend's place. It's in the other, oh, we go okay, 15 minutes later, you're there. And then you go home and and you all along you're like, well, what if I fall hurt myself? Well, someone's gonna rush you up to the hospital and you don't worry about that either. What if I lose my job? Well, yeah, you know, like it's it's a nice place, especially in the summer when when we don't worry like you're not cooped up inside. Yeah. I think it's just a wonderful city. You can swim in the harbor, so you just it's it's really warm today, right? I'm just gonna put on my my, my swimming trunks, I'm gonna go down, get a bottle of wine and start swimming and you know just barbecuing and relaxing and I don't feel that that just appeals to me like that kind of I think for me the most important thing is that you know time is incredibly valuable and mm-hmm. I get to invest I sorry I, I, I spend so much time just to get 
from my house to work in back in London, you know. So you're looking at three hours of your day yeah, in yeah. public transport. And whereas here, as, as Jonas mentioned, you know, you get to places within five to 10 minutes, you know, if you cycle. And at the most, you're looking at 20 minutes, which is nothing, you know. It's just, it's just, so that means that you get to, you know, to spend more time doing the things that you want rather than, you know, it was the same when I was in LA. Like in LA, it's just you're basically living inside a, a car. So that, that definitely doesn't appeal to me at all. So you get to live life a, li- a little bit more here, you know. I agree. I, I, do you know what? I think it's the perfect size city. I think you're very lucky to live where you live. I think it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite cities in the world, but I think it's a size. It has, still has that personal touch, doesn't it? And like you say, I mean, I've done that where you can just be in different quarters in five, 10 minutes and you're on, the, yeah. on the bike as well. You're outside. It's, it's brilliant. The winter, winter, I've never been in winter. Winter must be tough though. Or dark. Yeah, it's, when it's really cold, I mean, it's just it's just a matter of being north. It's cold, but also just dark. We have, we have Danes have formulated this term to how we deal with with that kind of time of year where we just say we just hygge, and that's a word that's popularized a lot. Like people talk about what is that, and it's just this form of like going into like a closer knit, you know, structure where you where you get really close and you try to spend time together. It's there is certainly like a, some points in winter, especially if you're working a lot and you're working up hours, you realize like, man, I, 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 we don't see the sun. If you are if you are not up early in the morning, you might not see the sun for a couple of days if you're in, in hospitality. But uh, then we get these long, long summer nights. And yeah, there certainly is a, let's just get through November to February and get back to living life. You know, there's a bit of that. At the same time for hospitality, it's those are the months that you you you, you make you really because what do people want to do when they can't be outside? Well they now they want to be at your bar. Yeah. They'll, they'll queue up outside to get in and get the escapism that they that they need, you know? Yeah, man. Okay. That's why a lot of people go traveling in February, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's I mean, I I've, I've it's such a pleasure here in the summer that I don't understand why so many people decide to go on summer vacations. Yeah. To me, it's like Go on winter vacations. Get out <laughs> while it's yeah. dark, and then and then easily spend your summers here, just yeah. just relaxing. What's this phrase as well? You know this phrase that says the happiest place on on earth, Copenhagen. Yeah. How do you say that? Yeah. Is that Luke? Luke? Luke. Yeah, okay. it's it's obviously been debated heavily here. If there's anything that Danes like, is that someone comments about Denmark, you know, this, I think it's the same for all of our small neighbors around us, you know, yeah. in, this, in, in the rest of Scandinavia and stuff. If someone says something about Sweden, everybody in Sweden knows that someone says something about Sweden. It's the same in Denmark. So every time we, we get the, like a, a survey like that, it's debated heavily. And we, we like to me, it's, it's not like people walking around like on pros, like just all smiles. In fact, when you see people, they normally have, but it's not, it's not that they're, the, the thing is that what you measure is just to say like, are you actually content with life? You know, like, do you feel like you're living the life that you wanted to lead? And that's irrespective of whether or not you're having a shitty day or a great day or whatever. And, and then that's the survey where, we, where most people say, well, yeah, on the up and up, my expectations of life are being met. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm content. I have my ups and downs. I'm good. And that's, it seems like a good starting point at least. I think so. Well, look, I, I, a, I think it's a good way to leave it. But I, I, I'm, you know, I'm generally really happy for you. you know, when they popped up on the Instagram feed and soon that you'd open your own place, I'm really happy for you, and, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to actually come and uh, come and enjoy it. 